0: Today, striking port workers rallied near the uh, Vancouver waterfront uh, to mark the sixth day on the picket line as they seek a new contract with the BC Maritime Employers Association. About 7,400 members of the International Longshore and Warehouse Union's a union have been off the job since Canada Day. and Of course, they're backing demands for improved wages and are pushing back against contracting out and automation. Now, the morning demonstration was organized by the union and billed as a solidarity rally. Uh, International Longshore and Warehouse Union President Rob Ashton spoke at that event. Take a listen. Three times the employer walked away from the table. Three times. <laughs> Once after 36 hours... We were ready to stay the whole time. The second time was after 12 hours. We were ready to stay the whole time. And once after six hours, when we put a proposal on the table to get the deal done and get us into monetary, because we knew that was the path forward to protect our workers way of life, not only for our generation, but for future generations. What did the employer do? They tucked tail and ran.
1: Because you see,
0: they don't want to negotiate with us. That was uh, Rob Ashton uh, from the International Longshore and Warehouse Union. He is the president there. Of course, uh, the Employers Association, which association which is uh, represents management in more than 30 BC ports, has said binding arbitration could quickly end the strike. At this point, federal labor minister Seamus O'Regan uh, is urging the two sides to make use of available mediators and resume negotiations. So, there's a tremendous amount of pressure. Uh, at this point uh, to find a solution and find it quickly because the strike has already disrupted nearly 3.7 billion dollars worth of cargo it's a significant amount so where do we go from here can we afford to allow this port strike to go on for much longer joining me now to talk about the issue is kirk lapointe publisher and executive editor for business in vancouver kirk thank you for joining us today glad to be with you uh, this port strike. Now, many would argue that look, it's early days still. It's only day six. Uh, let both parties uh, continue to uh, uh, to negotiate this. Uh, they'll figure it out. Uh, can the economy here in BC and Canada afford to wait much longer? In your mind?
1: Well, already in Alberta, they're calling this a disaster for its economy. I mean, this this is uh, these are ports, of course, that handle about one-seventh of all of our traded goods um, you can take a look at the overall impact over the course of the year it's about 2.7 billion dollars in national gdp um, there's about seventy four hundred uh, terminal cargo loaders uh, that that are of course out of work there you know there's income issues for them um, and of course it's just the supply chain um, and you know you've got you've really got a lot of um, Freight that is sitting idle now, or has to be diverted if it can be, Um, and so you end up with this kind of hole in your economy. That um, you know, where where you've got dependency by the rail, you've got dependency with truckers, you've got all kinds of uh, you know related income and work that's uh, that's affected by this. So, of course, the longer it goes on, the worse it gets. Um, the bigger issue, I think overall is whether you know we return to some sort of era where there is a, a kind of a almost a semi-permanent um, labor climate where um, some you know some entities internationally don't feel they can depend on British Columbia and on Canada for that matter in terms of moving moving goods in, uh, around and and if that gets to that point, then we really do have a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, some have already said that, look, uh, you know, we had a similar type of conversation going on in Quebec in 2021, and and the federal government already had a back-to-work legislation uh, pre-written uh, so uh, they could come down very quickly and get on with it. And here it looks like they're still waiting for both parties to sort of figure it out. And there is, so far has been no call to get the uh, parliament back and a potential back to work legislation. So we still could be going for many days, even if the government wants these folks back to work.
1: Yeah. And and obviously uh, uh, the house of commons uh, has to be able to pass that legislation um, if it, if it chooses to do so, of course. And that's, that's a very loaded issue right now with a minority parliament in which the liberals uh, have the support of the NDP as part of its covenant, you know, and, and of course, the NDP would would not be uh, in on the idea of being able to uh, have back-to-work legislation. The Liberals would most likely get their support from the Conservatives of uh, you know, of all people. Um, I think you know. I think you're right, though, that where uh, the tone that you're hearing from Ottawa and from the Minister Seamus O'Regan, the Labor Labor Minister, is that uh, somehow uh, arbitration is the step. To go, that the two sides need to look at that as the option, and not look at uh, some kind of temporary fix, which would be a um, back-to-work legislation, because that simply sets you up for a labor climate that next time is going to be just as bad, if not worse. You know, it, it leaves a terrible taste when uh, when organi- labor unions are negotiating uh, negotiating with you, and then Talks break off. You can't revive them, and you resort to that big, big hammer. And uh, you know, in as much as that big hammer has a short-term effect, gets things moving again. um, What you have to always wonder about is what kind of long-term consequence to this.
0: Now, this World Bank report from a few months ago that basically put our port I think 347th uh, most efficient in regards to getting cargo in and out, 347 out of 348. Uh, You know, I was looking at footage, um, uh, was it last week, from the Long Beach port near Los Angeles, and one of the workers was showing how the automated, that portion of the port that is automated worked. And it was fascinating to watch these containers being moved around the port all through automation and some of these machines stopping for another machine as it's passing by. Uh, and I think it did cost longshoremen, I think it was 600 jobs, uh, potentially, because of that automation in one portion of the port. I looked at the Rotterdam port, the busiest port in Europe at one time, the busiest port in the world, how automated it, it, it is. I mean, I guess the existential challenge here as we debate, you know, uh, salaries and pension payments and all those other benefits, uh, the big threat looming over the heads of longshoremen over the long term still remains automation.
1: Yeah, no, it is the existential uh, crisis that faces not just longshoremen, but a variety of industries that we all, that we all have. Um, you know, automation is real upon us. Uh, not going not gonna to subside. Uh, we're going to be, uh, you know, eaten away at it um, as time goes on more and more. Um, you know, we're probably looking in this country, most of the estimates I've seen that about 30% of our jobs are somehow uh, going to face uh, a form of automation that could even mean the extinction of, of a lot of uh, occupations. and uh, you, know, you can, as a, as a labor force, try to hold that back, um, slow the progress, uh, slow the, the speed with which your jobs are going to be disrupted. Um, you can see that that's a thread that obviously runs through labor negotiations all over in many of our resource-based industries as well. Um, and and i think it is in this case here uh, the backdrop of this you know the the specter of where the industry is going to go you know you very clearly have some disputes over wages you have certainly a dispute over maintenance and the extent of uh, of those contracts and who can operate them but uh, but yeah the automation issue is is by no means going to go away no matter how you even settle this
0: yeah, and what I find interesting is you, you, know, you can fight it at, at a one port or 20 ports here in British Columbia, uh, but if the competition in and around you, in North America, uh, ports aren't as automated compared to Europe or especially Asia, but inevitably, if the industry is already headed in that direction, to a certain degree, already there in some of the major ports around the world, this will be inflicted on you whether you want it or not. The question is how, how you manage it.
1: Yeah, it, you can't hold it back truly you can um, you can slow the progress. You can uh, make other types of transitional arrangements for your workforce, uh, but in the end, uh, you know, in, I mean, in our in our business, jazz as you know, I mean, we've had all sorts of automation move in to take away roles um, for printers and in publications, um, along with a lot of other uh, areas of our operations. You know, we we face. Um, the specter of generative AI around uh, around writing, uh, some of our manuals and documentation and things that are likely getting close to the bone around our journalism business. Mm-hmm. So you know it's it is just upon us. Um, it's more the question of how you handle it, not whether you have a choice on whether to handle it.
0: Kirk, always a wonderful chat with you. Thanks for your time today.
1: Thank you, Jazz. Good talking to you.